Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Um, but I've entitled this message, if you're looking for a title, um, God's Not Done. If that's okay, God's Not Done. I know 2019 is done, but we're entering into a new year. And I just really believe that God's not done with any of us. Because if you've got life in your lungs, God's not done with you. If God's giving you life and you're breathing today, God's not done with your purpose, your plan, the anointing, the gifting that he's placed on your life. And um, I just really believe that we've fought really hard this year to do a lot of things that the enemy wanted to stop us from doing it. We've, we've, we've fought hard to stay in relationships. Come on. Come on. We fought hard to stay in relationships. We fought hard to learn how to forgive people. We fought hard in learning how to support people. We fought hard in trying to reach people. And um, we've, we've just really fought hard. And as we continue to grow, I just, I just believe um, that God's going to do something brand new in, through, in, in us and, and through us. And I just want you to know that God gets all the glory because when the enemy said there's not a way out of this, the one that said I am the way made the way. And um, I just really believe that God is going to do something great. And so as I was putting this message together, this portion of scripture really, really stood out to me personally. Um, just looking back at 2019 and a lot of the things that I had to deal with personally, what we had to deal with together as a family and what we'll be moving into, into um, into, into, into 20, 2020. Sorry, I'm a little rusty. And uh, Philippians 1, and I'm going to start reading with verse number 3. And I'm going to read it through 9. And then I'm going to come back and read verse 1 and 2. And we're going to just kind of pull some stuff out of here. I want, to, I want you to be encouraged today. Is that okay? I want you to be encouraged. I want you to get stirred up. Um, I, I want you to know that even though 2019 may have been difficult for many of you, and maybe 2019 was prosperous for many of you, I'm, I'm just glad to put it behind me and enter into everything that God has for all of us together in 2020. And um, as I was reading Philippians, again, this really stood out to me. It says, starting with verse number three, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, every time I think of you, this is Paul the Apostle writing to a small church in Philippi that's about 10 years old. And he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray... I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And this is the portion of scripture that I want you to remember. I want you to highlight it. I want you to underline it. I want it to stand out um, as we enter into 2020 and we leave behind what happened in 2019. Now, look, I, I know that a lot of good happened in 2019 as well. I'm not dismissing that. I also know that a lot of bad happened in 2019, and I'm not dismissing that either. But I'm just one that believed that God uses, uses it all for our good. And he says this in verse 6. He says, and I am certain. Another, portion, another translation would say, I am convinced. But in this portion he says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Let me repeat that again. He says, he says, and I am certain that God who has began a good work 
in you. He's the kind of God that finishes strong everything that he starts. He's the kind of God that, that sees whatever he sent out his word to accomplish, it fulfills. The reason why he sent his very own son was to accomplish the plan of redemption for all of us. And so when he says, I am certain, I am convinced, I am persuaded, I have no doubt whatsoever that whatever God started in you, he's going to finish it. That's what he's saying. That he's going to finish it until the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. Isn't it awkward that, that Paul the Apostle would account it as favor, that there's favor on his life for being imprisoned for Christ. It's a whole different perspective. It's a shift in the way that we ought to start thinking as believers in Christ. Paul the Apostle is making a declaration today that God's favor is on me even though I'm imprisoned. That God's favor is on me as I preach the gospel. That God's favor is on me even though I'm going through a difficult time. I count it all joy because God's favor is on me. It's on me. And I'm preaching it. I'm teaching it. And he goes on to say, and in defending and confirming the, confirming the truth of the good news, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Can we pray for just a moment? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we just dedicate the next 23 minutes and 49 seconds to the Lord. Father, we thank you, God, for today. We're so grateful for your love. And God, we're here today because you're not done with any of us. Had you have been done with any of us, we would already be in glory with you. Had you have been done with any of us, we would have already been removed. But you're not done with any of us. In fact, you're working things out on our behalf. And you're using every circumstance and every trial and every heartache and every heartbreak and every situation to shape us and mold us into the men and women that you've called us to be. And so, Lord, I pray over this service today that, God, you would be glorified, that you would speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, do the work that you were sent out to do this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said... Amen. Come on, give God some praise right now. And so, God's not done with us. God's not done with you. God's not done with me. God's not done with us corporately as a church we know and love as Restoration Life. If you look around us, if you look at the environment that we live in, if you look at the culture that we live in, if you look at even our, our nation and what it's going through, it's very divisive right now. There's a lot of bad that's happening, not just at a government level, but across the globe. If you look at the condition of the church globally, it's not as strong as it could be, but it's getting stronger and stronger every single day. If you look at the condition of the soul of your friends and your family, if Jesus were to come back today, I dare say that a lot of us might be in serious trouble. I dare say that, that I thank God 
that he's withholding himself from returning as of yet because we've got some more work to do together. We've got some more people to reach. We've got some more people to love on. We've got some more people to forgive. We got some more people to disciple. We got some more people to release into the call of God over their lives. And I just believe that God is restraining himself for that appointed time because God's not done. He is not done by far with any of us. And this is really good news because let's face it, if you were to come back right now, like right now, like in the next five minutes, what, what would your thoughts be? What would your language be? Who would you tell? Who would you try to reach? There is an urgency to reach more people for Jesus, more now than ever, because as the days draw closer and closer, Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back. But aren't you glad that today is not the end of our story? God is still working. He is not finished, and this is encouraging to all of us. Now, if any of you know anything about this small city of Philippi, it was in the northeast corner of Greece. It's a place, you know, it's a very, well, it's Greece today. Back then, of course, it was Philippi. And Philippi was founded um, by Philip Macedon, which is Alexander the Great's father. And um, about 50, 40 or 50 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Paul the Apostle is writing this letter, this letter to the church in Philippi, and he's writing it as an encouragement to the body of Christ there in Philippi. Now, Philippi was a place that was very um, multicultural. Um, it had a lot of roads leading in and leading out throughout the Roman Empire. So this was an important city because a lot of people came in and came through and, and, and went into other locations out of Philippi. And so Paul plants this church there. And at the time of this letter, the church is probably around 10 years old, much like kind of restoration life is, you know, since this transition, but we're, 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 we're approaching 100 years in 2020, and we're going to definitely celebrate that. But Philippi was mostly a Gentile, paganistic um, city. There weren't a lot of Jews in it, because we know, if you do a study, that if an area had more than 10 Jews or so, that they would build up a synagogue so that they can go to the synagogue. But this area was mostly founded by Gentile people, people that were non-Jewish and people that worship paganistic and false gods. In fact, the, the god of the Philippi was actually the emperor, and so they would do a lot of emperor worship. They would, they would worship the emperor of Rome. That would be kind of like their worship, and they would assemble to declare him Lord and Savior over them um, because of his reign and because of his ruling and his covering over them. But Philippi was a real paganistic place when, when, when Paul the apostle went there and planted this church. And this is the this is the culture, this is the environment that he writes this letter into. It's made up of Gentiles from different nature, different nations, cultures, ethnicities, all these different um, backgrounds, and they've come together to become the church of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and Paul is writing to a people that's made up of people that he brought, that Timothy brought, and other people brought to know Jesus through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have Lydia. Lydia, who was um, the owner of, of, of a small business that, that would produce fine purple linen, which was very valuable back in those days. You had the people that got saved under Paul's ministry when Paul and Silas were locked up in, in the book of Acts chapter 16, and they were locked up, and you have the jailer and his family that got saved and baptized through the miracle that they encountered with Paul and Silas 
not escaping when God opened up all the prison doors. You have, you know, more, more than likely, maybe even possibly the girl that they delivered um, from the demonic spirit for which they got in trouble for and thrown into prison for. And these are the saints of God. These are the people that basically Paul the apostle is writing to. And today I just want to take a good look at this portion of scripture and maybe take out a couple of nuggets that hopefully would bless you and stir you up and maybe remind you of the goodness of God. Because how many know when you're going through stuff, sometimes you don't feel the goodness of God. But you need to be reminded of the goodness of God. This is the reason why we take communion, you know, because we remember of his goodness. We remember the broken body of Christ and the blood that was shed on our behalf. But the the first thing that I want to look at is Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 is when he says this. He says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. He says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi. Say all. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi. So this letter from Paul and Timothy wasn't just to the elders or the pastors or the prophets or, or the evangelists or the path teachers or the people that volunteer. He, he was talking to everybody, to all the saints in Philippi, to everyone that made up the church in Philippi. He says, to those who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. He says this in verse 2, May God our Father... And the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. For whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. Verse 5, here's what my first point is going to, be, is going to come out of. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. The first point that I want to make this morning is that as a church... And as saints of God, I know you might not feel like a saint of God, but if you've been saved and set free, and if you have declared Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then the Bible declares that you and I are a saint of God. We belong to the family of God, which teaches me that we are all in this together. That's the first point that I want to make. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to God's kingdom, when it comes to the purpose and the plan of God, we are all in this together, which declares that nobody should ever be alone in going through what they go through. You hear me this morning? We're all in this together. Look at somebody, tell them, we're in this together. Come on. We are together in this. We are partners in the gospel together. If you belong to Christ, then you are an important member of the body of Christ. How many uh, have already learned this, that we don't attend church, we are the church? Right? We don't go to church. We are the church. Why? We're in this together. We're members of one another. Amen. We are the house of God. The Bible declares this in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Chapter 2, verse 18, he says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. Let me remind you that you're not here by accident. God chose you for such a time as this. And he brought you together with a bunch of other people that are pursuing the will of God the plan of God, the purposes of God, and none of us have it all together. 
none of us, not a one, has it all together, but we're in this together. You're not alone. You belong here. Can somebody say amen? amen. We're a part of the family of God. And you didn't make that happen for yourself. God made that happen for you. God made that happen for us. And he brought us together for such a time as this. And like the church in Philippi, you and I come from various diverse backgrounds. But there's something powerful about the gospel that unites us together. There's something powerful about the presence of God that unites the body of Christ under one vision, one direction, doing one thing, all for the glory of God. And so we are all in this together. When we serve, we're serving one another. When we're giving, we're giving to one another. When we're, when we're, when we're struggling, we're struggling together. Come on, because we're all in this together. The gospel is a great unifier. People from different social, racial, and economic backgrounds all gather together, and we are united in Christ. Galatians 3.27 says it this way. It says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're in this together. And if we're in this together, let me remind you that God's not done with us yet. That God's not done with restoration life. That, yeah, we planted, you know, a campus in Torrance, but that's not going to be the last campus that we plant. And, yeah, we planted churches, you know, in Washington, in Eagle Rock, and we have another Spanish service here, but God's not done with us yet. And, yeah, we're reaching out into other parts of the nation and maybe around the world, and God's not done with yet us yet because we are partnering together for the glory of God. The reason why we're able to plant churches and do the work in Dehuk and in Kurdistan, Iraq, and have seven churches there now for the glory of God is because we're in this together. The reason why we're able to reach Africa and Europe is because we're in this together. The reason why we're able to reach your family and friends is because we're in this together. Come on. And God's not done. God is not done. Here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is that since God isn't finished yet, we have a great hope for the future. The bad news is, is that he's not going to leave you where you are. He's going to make you move. And that makes some of you uncomfortable. Because I don't know about you, it, it, being comfortable feels good. Like, I was put on mandatory rest for the last three weeks. And for like the first two weeks, I was like bitter inside. Like, I, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be trapped in the house. I don't, and then all of a sudden, you know, I started getting comfortable. Come on. That couch? The fireplace? The blanket? Netflix all day? Come on. Documentary on, 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 on Carol Shelby? Man, I... I could, I could get used to this. I can get used to doing nothing. I could get used to not participating. In fact, if I'm being honest, I was dreading a little bit coming to preach here this morning. Like, I wanted to stay in bed because I was comfortable. I mean, I had one of them deep sleeps. You know what I'm talking about? When you wake up and you're just like, 
Like I was gone. I was dreaming about I don't know what. But I didn't want to wake. Have you ever had one of those, those sleeps? Man, ever since I went on this like mandatory rest, I've been having a lot of those. And then, and then it was like, oh, I got to preach on Sunday. That means I got to get up at 6 in the morning. And I got to preach four services. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be difficult. This is, going to be, this is a little unnerving. This is my first time back in three weeks. Is this thing going to hold up? Am I going to, is Roxanne going to rush to the stage and hold me again? I mean, it, it feels good being comfortable. But that's dangerous. Because when you get too comfortable, you become lazy. You become lazy. You don't want to get up and do anything. Even if God's telling you to do it. And I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's for the Torrance campus that I'm preaching this to. But the reality is, if we're not careful, we can, have, we can find ourselves so comfortable in everything that we do that we don't allow God to stretch us anymore. That we don't allow God to challenge us anymore. Because it doesn't make sense to do something that's challenging when I'm comfortable. I like being comfortable. I, I, I like knowing what's going to happen when I step out. I, I, I like knowing what's going to happen you know, when I plan these things, but when God steps in, he kind of just throws comfortability out the window. I mean, I think about Paul and what he said, I'm in prison and I have the favor of God on me. Now, many of us might not look at it in those terms, but maybe because we've become too comfortable in doing what we've done and God's calling us to get uncomfortable in 2020 because God's not done with your life yet. God's not done with your ministry yet. God's not done with your gifting yet. God's not done with your family yet. God's not done with your teenagers. Am I talking to anybody? God's not done with your business yet. God wants to use you for his glory, but he's going to make you uncomfortable. Aren't you glad I'm back? <laughs> We're in this thing together, though. You're not alone. You belong here. You belong to the bride. Restoration life is not, God's not done with restoration life as of yet. And we're not done growing. We're not done growing. We've outgrown this facility, but we're not done growing. We're not done healing either. We're not done healing. There's still more healing that needs to take place. We're not done discipling new leaders. Come on. We're not done forgiving. Come on, 2020 was harsh. Some of you are not done with forgiving. We're not done reaching, restoring, releasing. We're stepping into 2020 that knowing that God's not done with any of us, and yet the Bible declares that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And I love this about what Paul says to the church in Philippi. He says, I thank God for you every day because we're partners in this. We're in this thing together. All of us are. We're all in this together. Thank God. For our nursery workers, because they're in this with us. Thank God for our children's church workers, because they're in this with us. Thank God for our worship team and our leadership and our staff. They're in this with us. Thank God for the people that are generous. They're in this with us. But the people that are in Europe are in this with us too. The people that are in Africa are in this with us too. The people that are in Puerto Rico are in this with us too. The people that are in South America are in this with us too. The people that, 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 that we support in Germany, they're in this with us too. We are all moving together towards the glory of God. And we can't stop now. Can anybody say amen? 
Because how many know that there is no such thing as spectator Christianity? There's no such thing as spectator Christianity. We don't believe in spectator Christianity. In, in fact, we believe if you're just spectating, then you're not a real worshiper. We believe that. Because we believe that if you're a part of the body, then you need to move when the body moves. Can anybody say amen? So what do we learn from Paul's greeting in verse 1 and 2? That we are partners in this together. That we're partnering together in the gospel. And the gospel brings different people from different backgrounds. Not perfect people, failed people. Fallible people. People that have had drama and trauma in their lives. But I don't know any people that don't. But this is the assembly of the saints in Philippi. We are all saints in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus leaders and volunteers are partners together. And I love what he says to the church in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. He says, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. <laughs> it's a good way to start that, that off, right? Hey, you're being lazy. Encourage those who are timid, those that are in fear of stepping out and doing what, what God has created them and saved them to do. Take tender care of those that are weak. Be patient. Oh. You ever had a scripture that you want to remove from the Bible? <laughs> Be patient with everyone. Look at somebody and tell them, be patient with me. <laughs> be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil. Right? No revenge. But always try to do good to each other and to all the people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the moving and the operation of the Holy Ghost in your life. Do not scoff at prophecies. Don't make fun of them. Test them. Test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. He's faithful. So God's not done with us yet. God's not done with any of us, even though 2019 was a difficult year. Even though 2019 we suffered some damage. Even though in 2019 we suffered um, some, um, some losses. But in 29 year, 2019 we had a lot of wins too. We had a lot of wins that we shouldn't have had. But God was in it with us. And we were all in this thing together. And so God's not done. And God reminds us that we are all partners with the gospel. We are partnering in this thing together. And we are to move together and love together and grow together. And Paul continues this throughout the New Testament. He's talking about it as it, as it brings joy to his heart. That this is a good thing. Even though I'm struggling. Even though I'm battling. Even though I'm going through it. Man, God's favor is on me. I mean, think about Paul's life. Paul went out and preached unashamedly the gospel of Jesus Christ and stood before kings and rulers and testified of the goodness of God, stood before his very own family 
as Pharisees and Sadducees and declared the truth found in God's word. And he was shipwrecked. He was abandoned. He was struck down. He was bitten by snakes. He was whipped. He was, he was, he was eventually killed. But in all that, he counted it all joy. And he declared that the favor of God is upon me. And so I thank God every day for all of you. Because we are partners in this thing. We are all in this thing together. And so the second point that I want to make real quickly as I have the worship team come back up is don't give up. God will finish the good work he started in you. Don't give up. God will finish. I promise you that he will finish what he starts. So truth number one this morning is that we are all partners in the gospel together. Truth number two is that God will finish what he started in you. Philippians 1.6. He says, and I am certain, I am convinced that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. There are three things that really stand out to me in this one verse. And um, these three things are very important to the believer, to every single one of us. We just need to understand them so we know how to function and navigate through times of difficulty because we'll all go through it. I mean, when, when that happened to me three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and my wife rushed me to the ER. I'm thinking... All right, is this it? Is, is, this, is, this how, is this how this story ends? Is this how it finishes? And in my head, I'm like, no, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. We're praying. We're worshiping God all the way there. And now I'm in the hospital room. They can't, they can't keep get my heart rate working right. They can't get my heart out of AFib. They're thinking about shocking my heart. They're doing all this. And I'm just thinking, okay, God, is this it? Is, is this how this story ends? If, if that's it, then I'm good. I'm fine. Take me home. I'm I'm good to go. But God keeps reminding us that God's not done. He's not done with us yet. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. And in this portion of Scripture, I love the way this other translation puts it. It says, this is, I pray with great faith for you because I am fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this because Paul is so confident. He's so confident because the Greek word that he uses means fully persuaded. He's fully convinced. He's confident that whatever God started in you, he's going to finish in you. Why? Because we might not be good at finishing what we started. Like, like you may have a house project that you started on and it's still there. Like it was like, I don't know how long ago it was. My dogs chewed up um, the laundry room. And I'm kind of throwing myself under the bus right now. But my dogs chewed up the laundry room like just, you know how animals are. They just destroy everything. And, and I, remember, I remember, man, I went in there. I, I got everything looking good. I was getting it ready for paint. And, but I was tired. So we finished on, the, on that. And I kind of moved on and figured I'll come back to it next week. And next week turned into next month. Next month turned into almost next year already. But then I found ways to excuse myself from finishing the work. Have you ever found yourself doing that? I'm just so tired. 
or you know what it's just so busy or if in my case it was like they went back in there and chewed up almost everything that I that I fixed and so I figured well why should I fix it if they're going to do it again why don't we wait until they go home to be with Jesus and then I'll fix it right I mean a lot of us we you know like even in the new year like I already know a lot man I'm joining the gym like you're already man I'm gonna get in shape I'm gonna get ripped no you're not you might lose a couple pounds praise God go for it I'm with you I'm in this with you but the reality is a lot of us we start well but we don't finish strong am I lying Come on. We say, God, I'll never do that again. We find ourselves doing it all over again. God, I promise to be nice. No, you're still mean. But God isn't like us. He doesn't think the way that we do. Whatever God starts, he finishes. And he doesn't just finish. He finishes strong. He finishes strong. And so I'm really proud of all of you that came out to our very last service. Because you're finishing 2019 strong. Come on. You're finishing 2019 strong. I love what he said in Psalms 138 and 8. He said, you keep every promise you've ever made to me. Since your love for me is constant and endless, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing that you've begun in me. That was the prayer of the psalmist. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. I, I pray that Philippians 1.6 burns in your soul this morning. That if you're a believer, that, that you understand that God has good works to do in you and he has good works to do through you. He's got good works to do in you and good works to do through you. Now, what I want you to see this morning as we close off this service is that that word until... That word until signifies an ongoing process. You don't just receive Christ and then praise God, I'm going to heaven. Because between the time that you receive Christ and the time you go to heaven, God didn't save you, deliver you, and fill you with his presence and power for you to be a bench warmer in the kingdom. God saved you and filled you with this presence and gifted you with this gift of grace to use you for his glory and let me remind you he's not done with you yet God is working in you every day through every situation to make you more and more like Christ and he has good works for you and I to do works of love works of grace and works of mercy Romans 8 28 says and we know this thing we know that God that in all things God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose in me. God, I pray that you fulfill your, pur your purpose in me. But how? How does, he do how does he do that? How does he fulfill his purpose in you and through you? Well, I think we can find this all in Philippians 1.6. And I want to use three words that you don't normally hear, but they're, they're theological words. Number one, 
justification. Everybody say justification. What is justification? Justification literally means making you and I right with God. That you and I have been made right with God. Not because of anything you did. Not because of any good I've done. But you and I have been made right with God. We have been justified by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And that work, that justification work, was something that was done to wipe away all of our past. So when we were justified in Christ, for me it was over 30 years ago now. I was justified in Christ. I was born again. The imputed righteousness of Christ was placed upon me and I was justified. All the things that I had ever done had been washed away by the blood of Jesus. I had been made brand spanking new, a new creation, born again with a new purpose, with new direction and new life and life more abundantly because of the justification of Christ. So my justification in Christ deals with my past. But then he sanctifies us, sanctification. So we have justification deals with our past. Sanctification deals with our present. Right? You've been sanctified. What does that mean? It means that you've been set apart for a holy purpose of God. That's what that means. And it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. So justification deals with my past, but sanctification deals with my present. And I've been sanctified for a work that he has to do. I've been set apart because he's called me with a purpose. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? And this isn't just for me. You have been justified and you have been sanctified. So we have sanctification and we have, uh, I'm sorry, we have justification and we have sanctification. And the sanctifying process is continual. I'll never be perfect, but I'm being perfected. I'll never have it all together until the day that I stand before God in heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I know that God's not done with me, one, because I've been justified in Christ, and two, I've been set apart for a purpose, but three, I'm working, not working, but, but pursuing the glorification. Now glorification isn't a past thing, isn't a present thing, it's a future thing. And I will not be glorified until I've been made perfect, and I will not be made perfect until Christ comes back for me. Did you hear that? So I've been justified in Christ. I've been sanctified by Christ. And I will be glorified in Christ when the end finally happens. Right? So God is still working things out. God is not done with you. He's done with your past because he's already paid for it on the cross. But he's working in you through his gifting and his Holy Spirit in your present. But you're, you're walking towards or leaning forward towards the glorification that you and I will receive when we get home to heaven. Does this help anybody out? Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. Come on. Knowing that my past has been dealt with, I can have peace. Knowing that your past has been dealt with, you can have peace. You don't have to worry about those things anymore. It's been dealt with by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. But you're being sanctified. You've been set apart. Because God's got a plan for your life and a purpose and He wants to use you because He's not done with you yet. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Through and through, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept 
blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And so sanctification has to do with your present. And lastly, again, glorification. To be glorified means to be perfected in holiness, forever removed from the power and the presence of sin. Romans 8, 29 and 30 goes on to say, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many, brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Come on. Our glorification has to do with our future. When Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will be raised, and those believers still living will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. And we will be made brand new and glorified in God's presence. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 1 verse 6 one more time and I'll show this to you he who began a good work justification will carry it on to completion sanctification until the day of Christ Jesus glorification that's how that all works out together and I don't know about you but don't you dare let the devil lie to you and make you feel like you're not in this don't let the enemy steal the future that God has planned for you God is not done with you yet God is not done with your marriage. God is not done with your family. God is not done with your teenager. God is not done with your in-laws. Come on. God is not done using you for his glory. Somebody needs to stand to their feet this morning and give God some glory in this place because he's not done. He's not done healing us. He's not done restoring us. He's not done anointing us. He's not done calling us. He's not done expanding us. He's not done using us for his glory. And if that's you this morning, somebody needs to say, yeah, Lord, use me. Here am I, God. Here am I, God. Here am I. Here am I. Praise God. He's not finished. I love what Ruth Graham said. She said, I saw a sign on a strip of highway once. I would like to have it copied on my gravestone. It said, end of construction. If I could have every head bowed.